If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. I'm going to quit rambling, let you sit down, and we'll get into the Word of God and let God do what He wants to do. Book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I've got one scripture for you tonight, this afternoon. Everybody got it? Say amen. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Everybody say amen. Put your Bibles down, clap your hands to God, say a prayer, God, we love you, we worship you, praise your wonderful name, God, I ask of you to be upon each one of us, God, anoint me, Lord, as the clay, you are the potter, God, I pray that you help me to say all that you want me to say and nothing of what you don't want, God, in Jesus' name, we pray, amen. You can be seated. Old Brother Kilgore said, told a story one time of a, of a preacher. His pastor in a, took a church to pastor. And what he didn't know was his wife got a basket and she put up in the attic. Well, she got an egg crate put in that basket. And every time he preached a bad message, she put an egg in that basket. He never knew this for years. Finally, one day, he was rummaging around up in the attic, and he found that basket. And that, uh, that crate had two eggs in it. And then beside it, it had some cash, $600. So he brought it down, and he asked her, he said, what's all this about? She said, well... <clears throat> she said, she told him what it was. She said, every time you've preached a bad message, I'd put an egg in there. He's like, wow. All these years we've been married and all these years I've been preaching, there's only two, bas- two eggs in that basket. He said, ah, that's pretty good. I feel pretty good about that. He said, what's the $600 for? She said, every time I got a dozen of eggs, I went and sold them. <laughs> oh, so she had her side job going on. Uh, so I'm gonna pray that this is not one of those ba- one of those messages. Y'all go home and put an egg in your basket. I want to preach, teach just a little bit. I, look, we're teaching. I even have my glasses on to teach. How about that? So much I've got to read. So Ephesians says, "Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to." The power that worketh in us. I want to speak just for a few minutes on the right ingredients for a miracle. The right ingredients for a miracle. If you've ever thought about it, the definition, if you ever looked it up, the definition for a miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Or another definition says extremely outstanding or unusual event or thing or accomplishment. A third is divinely natural phenomenon experienced humanly as the fulfillment of a spiritual law. Now all that comes together and it says, in essence, a miracle is something that we can't do anything about. It's a God thing. Now what we all want, everybody wants a miracle. I could go around, I could pass the mic around, and I could ask each and every person, what do you need in your life? 
What kind of miracle can God do for you? And every one of you, we would be here till tomorrow. Everybody wants to see a miracle. Everybody wants to see blinded eyes open. Everybody wants to see people get out of wheelchairs. Everybody wants to see miracle after miracle after miracle. Miracles have been part of our have been part of our world since before the world has ever began, if you think about it. See, God's so good at being God, He doesn't really need any help from anybody else. He's just great. He's God. He can work any miracle. He goes far beyond as to work a miracle, to preface working a miracle. He'll go way beyond what He's ever even planned. He, he, he knows the future before it comes, before it was formed. He knows what's coming down. Genesis 1 and 1 uh, said, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's an astounding miracle in itself. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. You think about it, creation is one of the greatest miracles that'll ever be. And it all happened before every one of us. So let's look at what we have to have to have a miracle. I'm going to list you five things that we have to have. The first thing is probably the most troublesome thing. For somebody to have a miracle, you have to have a problem. Now, everybody wants the miracle, but nobody in here wants the problem, including myself. I would love to have a miracle. But I, if I have to say that I want the problem that's going to come with that to create that miracle, I would like for God just to kind of bypass that problem and just give me the miracle, Sister Vernice. I, I would like to have the miracle without the problem. But it doesn't work like that. I, there's nowhere in this Bible that you'll find where God created a where God created some, a problem just to have a miracle that, or, or God gives somebody something without a problem. It, it doesn't work like that. You've got to have the problem to have the miracle. Moses, when they went to the Red Sea, the only way that they went through that Red Sea was because they had a problem behind them. We love the miracle and we love to talk about the Red Sea and we love to talk about when they went across the Jordan with the ark and, and the waters parted. We love to talk about all of that. We love to hear about the miracles that's all through this Bible, but every single miracle had something all in common. They had a problem with the miracle. They had a problem that pressed. They had a problem that pushed to the miracle. If you want a miracle in your life, you've got to have the problem that goes along with it. The woman with the issue of blood... Jairus, the demoniac at the Gadarenes, the ten lepers, blind Bartimaeus, you go down through you go down through the gospels and you can just pick apart and you can take your pick at any person that had a had a miraculous healing or touching or delivering or whatever you want to find in there, every single one of them had a problem. Everyone had a problem that they couldn't do anything about. Now we all have problems. We all have problems, and, and each one of us in some way, some shape, form, or fashion are problem solvers. 
We 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 are people. We are people that knows how to to talk to somebody. We're people that knows how to go and lean on somebody or come with them with hat in hand, saying, "Hey, I, I got I got a situation." We know how to go to a bank and say, "Hey, I need a little bit of money." We know how to swipe a credit card. We know how to go get professional help, professional guidance, middle guidance, whatever it is. We know how to go and do all of that. But that is not what a miracle is. Now, I may, I may step on a toe or something here, and, and, and please know, know my heart, know, know that I, I mean no harm, no foul, no nowhere, because I know a lot of people say, well, God allowed that to happen and all that, and, and, and I'm with you 100%. But if you can put your hand to it and you can make it happen, it was not a miracle from God. That's great. It's great that it happened. And, 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 and it relieves all the stress and it gets us in a whole lot better situation and it gets us feeling better and it gets us out of that bad spot. I know that. I realize that. I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative toward that. But if I put my hand to something, if I owed some money and I went to the bank and got the money to get it paid off, that was not a miracle from God. That was Jamie Crumb going up there and begging the banker to give him some money. That's just how it works. If you don't get anything else out of what I'm going to say, I want, you to, I want you to get this. I want you to write it down. It's only a miracle when everything else does not work. No other options. Nobody to ask. Nowhere to turn. Nothing available. It's only a miracle when everything else doesn't work. And this is what I want you to get. You only see the supernatural when you've exhausted the natural. If you want a miracle, if I need a miracle in my life, and I have went and I have worked myself to the bone, and I have gave all that I can give, and I have exhausted all of my options, and I have finally got to the point I can bring you to the time and the place at my house to where I did everything of that and nothing was working. I got to a point to where it was like a brick wall but when I finally got to the point to where I fell on my knees at the bottom of my stairs in my hallway and I just cried and I screamed to the top of my lungs and you know I'm pretty loud fella. I screamed and I cried and I talked to God. I mean, just like he was standing there. When I had exhausted everything I could exhaust, God finally stepped in and said, all right, well, let's go. Let me make a way. And for that one thing that I was crying out to God for, that one thing that I was asking God about, that I had kept out, done everything I could do, and finally checked out and gave it to God, within a few minutes in the middle of all that, the phone rang for the very thing I was needing. I had finally got to the point to where I couldn't do anything else about it. Finally got to the point to where nothing else was coming. Nothing else was happening. I had done all I knew to do and I got out to the point to where all I knew to do is what the Bible says. When all you can do is stand, just stand. 
I didn't know to turn right. I didn't know to turn left. I didn't know what was up. I didn't know what was down. All I knew was I was hurting and I was confused and I was in a mess and I needed God to step in and make a way. Not only where there didn't seem to be a way, but there just was not no way. You cannot have the miracle without the problem. We all have problems. That's why, that's why we get this list at 6 o'clock and we hold it up. And it don't say, you know, we all, we all grew up going, we have a prayer need. We all go come from church to where we have prayer needs. This says miracle opportunities. It's the same thing. It's just worded a little bit different. We all have needs. We all have prayer needs, Brother Maurice. We all have things that we need. But when you think about it, in essence, it is exactly what it says. You've got a need, that means you had a problem that you cannot fix. If you could fix it, it wouldn't be on this list. If you could fix it, you wouldn't call the church to pray. If you could fix it, you wouldn't blow pastor's phone. I say you, me, we. I, I'm not pointing at y'all. We wouldn't blow the pastor's phone up saying, I got to have an answer. You got to pray with me. It's what, we, it's what we do. It's what the Bible says to do. It's a miracle opportunity. You got to have the opportunity to have the miracle. It's not fun. We got to have the problem to have the miracle. Number two, you have to desire a miracle. Now that sounds simple. I mean, really, honestly, that sounds simple. I mean, think about it. Just take just a second here and think about what you need in God, what you need God to do in your life. I'll give you just a second or two. Put it in your mind. Everybody got it? Would you not want it? If God, if God came to you right now, Brother Spanky, and, and he said, that thought that just came across your mind, or if he sent a man of God or an angel or whatever it is, that thing that just went across your mind, shall I fulfill it? Would you dare say no? Not a one of us. Not a single one of us would tell him no. I, I saw a, I saw a, uh, uh, a picture. I don't even know where I saw it. I don't I have a clue. We remember where I saw it, but, but it was a, uh, it was a couple of men. They were out in this big, big old lake, and they were fishing. You, you know that the, it was just a picture, but the caption of the picture, boy, you could tell they was having a good time. The boat was loaded down, and they were having a good time. And all of a sudden, you see this angel overhead, and, and in the, in the caption, you know, he's there to heal them. And both of them are like, no, not us. We're on disability. <laughs> they didn't want to be healed. You got to want to be healed. And I'm not making fun of anything. Please don't misunderstand that. You got to want to be touched. You've got to want the miracle. If you don't want the miracle, you won't get the miracle. How many of you have, for a Christmas present or a birthday present or anything, give your kids something and the look on their face was kind of like, oh, thank you. And deep down inside, you knew, well, I, I, I can take that back. 
And you may have worked 40 or 50 hours overtime through the course of some weeks or a month or two months, whatever it was, to be able to pay for that. Took you everything you could do to scrap up the money for that. And for a child to look at you and go, that's, that's cool. I wonder if God thinks the same way when we, when we pray and pray and pray and pray for a miracle. And if we wouldn't want it, it would be the same way. You take wanting, desiring a miracle. The lady with, the woman with an issue of blood. In Luke 8, Luke 8 chapter 40, Luke chapter 8. Let me get wound up here. Verse 43 to 44, she said, And a woman having an issue of blood for 12 years, which had spent all of her living, she had exhausted all of her options. She spent all of her living upon physicians. Neither could be healed of any. Came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood staunched. you got to realize in this, in this, in the context of what this is, this unnamed woman by Jewish culture would have been, would have been ridiculed. She would have been humiliated for just wanting to get that close to the master to take care of her problem. It was not just as easy as her going, oh, there's Jesus, let me go get to him. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. You, you would have to understand the Jewish culture of that time. She was, she was unclean, and, and if, if she would have went through there, people would have literally parted ways so they wouldn't have, wouldn't have to touch her and come into a counter with her. How humiliating would that be? And there's no telling how many people were there. A multitude. There's no telling. 100, 500, 5,000, 10,000. No telling how many people that she had to go up through to get to where she could touch just the border of God. But she desired a miracle. Notice this. She desired the miracle so much. God wasn't even there. He wasn't even there for her. He wasn't there to, to, to stand there and wait for this woman with an issue for 12 years to come and touch her border, the border of his garment. That's not what he was there for. He had just came from the Sea of Galilee where he pressed over where he had went on to the, uh, to the Sea of the Gadarenes, the, the, sh the shore of the Gadarenes to where he went and healed the demoniac. He had went from there and he was going to go into the land and he was going to perform miracles and all that. But they were so shook up from what they seen, they wanted him to leave. So he gets back on the boat and he leaves. And then he comes over to here, makes his way back over here. And he gets off the boat and he's greeted with Jarius. His daughter is so sick, she's about to die. So he is going with Jarius to go to his house to heal his, to heal his daughter. He wasn't even there for the woman. But she wanted the miracle so bad. That she interrupted the Lord, the great physician, on his way to heal somebody that was dying. Now she just had an issue of 12 years, and I'm sure she felt like she was dying. I would have too. 12 years is a long time to deal with anything. But she wanted it so bad. She wanted the miracle so bad that she stopped him from going to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. Could you imagine what Jairus thought? If I, if I encountered God and Fallon was sick unto death, 
That's my daughter. I'd live and die and give everything and take everything for her. And then if anybody stopped him from coming to my house, Brother Casey, to heal my daughter, I wouldn't be happy about it. But it was a miracle that was presented for God to do. And she had to take advantage. She had to capitalize on that moment. As rough as it sounds, she did what she had to do to get her miracle. If she would not have done that, this Bible would have never recorded. There was a lady that was sitting out there in the middle of all the people in the Jewish, in the Jewish uh, culture that when God passed by, she could have got healed, but she didn't get healed. We'd have never heard that. As rough as it sounds, we'd have never heard that. So if we don't desire for God to heal us uh, or give us our miracle, we'll never have it. Thirdly, we've got to have faith. How many times have you heard you've got to have faith from day one? Long as far back as what you can remember, you've heard you've got to have faith. Mark eleven twenty two through 24 says, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, and, and shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. You've got to have faith. God responds to faith. God responds to faith. John 1, 5, 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according, if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. My problem is this. Here's my problem with faith. My problem is I know without a shadow of a doubt I'll go to my grave knowing there's nothing anybody can say, there's nothing anybody can do to convince me that God cannot do anything he thinks of. You, can, you cannot do it. You can try to prove me wrong, you cannot do it. There's nothing anybody in this world could say, I'll go to my grave believing God can do everything. My problem is when I know I have a problem and I know he can do it, but he don't. Now, I know that sounds simple, but I get hung up on the, God, I know you can do it. But why aren't you doing this? It, it would be different. It would be different if I, if, I, if, I, if I thought God maybe had to lean on somebody else to pull it off. It may be different then. I could say, okay, well, he didn't think my need was as important as the other. But that doesn't, it doesn't happen. God doesn't have somebody on the right or the left to, to have to talk to this about. 
God sits on the throne all by himself. He's there. He's up there all alone ruling in everything that he does all on himself. There's nobody else that he talks to. There's nobody else that he corresponds with. There's nobody else that he asks anything of. He doesn't say, hey, what do you think about this right here? No. He has it all. There is nobody else. But when I know he has all that kind of power and he don't do it, then that's what I get hung up with. That's what I get struggled with. Am I the only one? No, I don't think so. But we have to have faith. We've got to have faith and we have to keep faith. We have to keep the faith believing and knowing that God can do it and that God wants to do it. The fourth thing I'm trying to move through. The fourth thing that we need is we need persistence. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and for he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligently, you could look that up. It's got all kinds of alternative meanings. But in essence, it means earnestly or carefully. It means that you're, you're, you're not just sitting there going, well, no, it means you are running after it. It means you're being diligent about it. You're purposefully seeking it. You, you've got your mind made up and you are on that. You are trying to, to seek him with all you have. You look in the Bible where it talks about the woman, woman and the unjust judge. It, there's the, the persistence of, of that woman got her what she wanted, nothing else. It was her persistence. It was to the point to where, look at it, Luke 18, chapter one, uh, chapter 18, verse 1 through 5. It said, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not would faint, saying that there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regardeth man. The dude didn't, he wasn't scared of God or anybody else. He had some power. He had some stroke. He he could take care of everything himself. Verse 3 says, And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. Now, for everybody that has kids, you know what it means to be wearied by a continual son. My kids, my kids know how to how to daddy, 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 daddy. Hey, daddy, can I? Daddy, will you? Daddy, can we? Daddy. And to the point to where no, that's not what I was going to do, but I guess that's what we're fixing to do. Just to get them to shut up and leave me alone. I have done and said a lot of things that I never, that I always said wouldn't do, but just to shut up and go on and leave me alone. Well, yeah, come on, let's do it. Persistence. There's a lot to be said about persistence. There's a lot to be said about just keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, coming to God. Pastor said it here just the other day. Uh, he he said don't he, he said don't come to me saying. That you've prayed and you've prayed and you've sought God for something when you've prayed for, for it once. 
Now, I know some, some, preachers, some preachers preach that. Some preachers say, give it to God one time. God heard you. That's all you got to do. And, and I understand what they're saying. I mean, God did. God, God heard you that first time. He heard that first plea. I'm going to wart the horns off of it. It's, it's just my nature. I, I, I'm going to ask every time I pray. I, I, I'm going to go through my prayers I'm going to give God praise. I'm going to give God thanks. I'm going to repent. I'm going to pray for every one of you. I'm going to call your names. I'm going to call for my family. I'm going to pray for my family. I'm going to pray for my pastor. I'm going to pray for my pastor's family. I'm going to pray for revival. I'm going to call souls, every single soul that I know that belongs to your families. I'm going to call all of them. I'm going to do that. But when I finally get done, I'm going to bring my pleas to God. You look at the tabernacle plan, and I love to study the tabernacle plan. You pray through the tabernacle plan, and it prays through that order. And when you finally get done walking through everything, and you go through the veil, and you go through the Holy of Holies, and you get to the mercy seat, which sits on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, when you open that up, there's three things inside that. It was Aaron's rod that budded, it was the pot of manna, and it was the what? It was the... the uh, the tablets, good Lord, I'm thinking tabernacle in a tabernacle. The tablets. The pot of manna is just that. It's provision. That's where you get lost in praying and of God at the mercy seat. Have mercy. I need you. I've got to have this. You've got that's what I do. So I'm gonna do it. I got to move. I got to move. I'm going to do it. I'm going to stay persistent and I'm going to bring it to him. You can't go through something. Write this one down if you're writing. You can't go through something. You can't, I'm sorry, you can't go to something without going through something. You look at Paul in 2 Corinthians when he talks about everything that he's done. Paul said, uh, five different times I received stripes from the, from the Jewish people, say 39 stripes. He was beat with rods three times. He was stoned once. He suffered shipwrecks. He spent a day and the night in the deep waters. With, was, was lost with numerous times in, uh, of perils. He was in weariness, pain, hunger, thirst, cold, naked. Not to mention, the Bible says, all the cares of the church. But he was persistent. I'm telling you, I know how to stay persistent. I know how to I know what it feels like to not have to, to have bills due and not have any way of knowing how that's going to get paid and to look back at it today and I can say that bill was paid and I can't tell you how. It's happened to me. I've had checks in the mail. I've had cash in the mail. Where it came from, I don't know. I've had things paid for me. Where it came from, I don't know. I know what it is to have and want and be in need. I know what it is to actually get a check back from a from an overpayment that I that I supposedly overpaid. I don't overpay. It ain't enough to overpay. But I've got money back, and the statement says you overpaid on this. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hope you got another paper to send me like that. I know what it is. I, I honestly, I can remember the time way back when, when me and my wife first got married to where I, I was low of fuel, needed fuel in my truck, and I was in my truck and needed fuel in my truck and didn't have the money to get exactly what I needed and was stressing and praying. And I, I, pr I promise you, when I got out of my truck and got back in my truck, 
in a matter of just minutes somewhere, I don't even remember where I was, there was more fuel in my truck than what I got out of my truck with. I, I know these things. Miracles. I've seen some of this stuff. I haven't got to see everything that I want to see, but I'm working towards it. I'm striving for it. I'm praying for it. I'm hungry for miracles. I want to see it, but I've got to go through it to see it. So, what just happened there? Number five, we're going to finish up. Number five, we need to know the miracle worker. Most of all, out of all of it, it's so important. We've got to know the miracle worker. First John says that we know that the Son of Man is come, that he hath given us the understanding that we may know him, that he is true, and we are in him that is true, and even in his Son, Jesus Christ, that is the true God and eternal life. You can stand with me. John 10 and 4 said, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth, out, goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. We've got to know the master. We've got to know the miracle worker. We've got to understand that he loves us. Romans 5 and 8 says, But, he, but God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Psalms 46 and 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. What am I saying in all of this? I tell you what God what I feel God spoke to me. When Pastor asked me the other day if I could preach, I usually I usually go or not preach, teach, I'm sorry. I usually just like check out. I will cancel my whole week. I will just shut everything down, make wife and kids leave the house, lock it up, shut it out, leave me alone. Almost immediately. God spoke to me about miracles. Pastor's out tonight. We've got Brother Welch coming to preach. I fully, with all my heart, expect to see a miracle tonight. Now, I know, I know. That's cliche-ish. I get it. I understand. That's, that's what we say. We come to church expecting a miracle. But I'm telling you, I feel like God spoke to me that tonight we'll have a miracle. What? I don't know. I can't say. I wish I could. I wish I could stand behind this pulpit and tell you exactly what was going to happen tonight. But I do know somewhere, somebody here is going to be linked and connected with a miracle tonight. But you've got to want it. You've got to know that he's here for us. That he can do it. And you've got to want it. And you've got to let him do it. God delights in helping his children as we... We do our children. If our musicians want to come, I'm, I'm sorry if you want to come to close out. I love to see a smile and gratitude of my children when I do do something right and get them the right present they wanted. It lights, they light up, and when they light up, I light up. And I know God does the very same thing. Hebrews 4 and 16 says, Let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And that's what we have to do when we have a miracle. We have to be persistent and we have to come boldly before the throne. And I believe it tonight is that night to where if we are persistent enough and we come boldly before the throne of God, we're going to see a miracle. Let's move into this next service expecting a miracle for 6 o'clock. Will you join with me? Will you link your faith to my faith? And let's believe in a miracle. Who has a miracle that they... Something in their life that they would like God to work tonight for.
It should be all of us. It should be every single one of us raise our hands saying, God, don't pass me by. God, if you're going to come by here and you're going to walk by anybody and touch them, hey, don't pass me by. God, I, I want a miracle in my life. I don't want it for filthy gain. I don't want it for lucre's sake. I know the Bible says you have not because you ask not because you don't receive. No, you receive it on your on your ask amiss. I get all that. I know that. But I need a miracle in my life. Hallelujah. As they say, you can get ready to transition. Thank you for being kind. Thank you for being open. I love each and every one of you. Take a moment to greet everybody. We'll see you here at 6 o'clock service.